1: if you're a tennis fan you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the bet rivers network whether you're a better or just love tennis you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar subscribe to game bet match today from your favorite podcast provider you're listening to betting weekly english premier league on the bet rivers network Hey everybody! Welcome back to the Betting Weekly English Premier League podcast here on the Bet Rivers Network. Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook, bringing you all the content uh, looking ahead to the weekend's football, and we've got lots and lots to get into as always. And I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by the soon-to-be goat, Jack. How you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Not after last
2: week's result, I'm not. <laughs>
1: I would have called you the goat, but I didn't want Nigel to get offended. You know, he no, gets a bit territorial. He, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also joining a terrible us.
2: Terrible text after
0: that. Yeah, he probably did. Probably did.
1: Also joining us, Nigel Seeley. How are you, sir?
0: I'm very well, mate. You can't call either of us the goat after our performance last week on the first week of the Premier League season. It was absolutely dreadful. Wes. As the famous band D Ream says, things can only get better, and uh, they have to get better this week. <laughs> but uh, it's a very, very difficult card in the Premier League this week, Harry. I think it's really, really tough. It's always tough at the start of the season, but this this set of fixtures looks really, really tough. Last week, eight bets, zero return, eight losses. That's not good enough, and uh, something we'll be addressing
1: uh, certainly this week, and hopefully in the build up in the next two weeks, we'll be a bit more form. We'll be turning that around very quickly. Is this is this normal though? Because you've been in the betting game a long time. The the, hard, the beginning of the season is always hard to get read. Is it not? Uh, yeah, I mean the, the problem is is that
0: in the Premier League you, you try to look for value plays and, and prize where you can get favourites beat. And I think what we saw from last week, we've seen that there is a big gap in, in the top of the Premier League with the top boys and the bottom sides. Last week we underestimated how poorly Aston Villa were. Really, it was probably our biggest downfall. I, I like Aston Villa. Uh, Jack liked Lester-Villa really strong, uh, and most of the public like Lester-Villa. Really, that was a, a, pain, a, a bad loss. We got reread read that wrong. Um, and then Leicester was the bet that I had, which hurt me most, 2-0 up, cruising, and then Brentford come to get 2-2. Two, two. That sort of highlights probably some issues at Leicester. Um, with regards to other picks, I mean, you're looking at form from last season and the season before. The other thing was it's, it's a very, very hot weekend in England. So, you know, if you're playing unders, teams could get... Quite tired, leggy towards the second half, and that that didn't happen. But um, the one thing, without betting, like 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 I say, I'm I'm 49 years of age, and I started working in this game when I was 17, and my dad was a bookmaker. You learn every day, you know. You, it's one of these games. If you if you don't if you never learn from people and you never learn, then you, you'll go skimp because you 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 can become too opinionated. And the thing is, is that you, we learn and we go again and we 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 look at the teams and we adjust. And as long as you keep
1: adjusting and keep moving with the trends, you'll be all right. Good stuff. Let's dive into this week's picks then uh, from the Premier League. Uh, let's start with you, Jack, because I know uh, you've got a pick from the game between Brighton and Newcastle United. Tell us a little bit about it.
2: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. It should be a cracking game. And, and as a result of that, I'm going for both teams to score, uh, which is at minus 120. Um part of what Nigel then said there I like to do is try and at this stage focus on the games where I've seen 90 minutes of action from at least one of the teams to say get a good read on it are they playing the same way as they kind of played last season have they got anything new that might give us a little bit of an edge um so the eye test is a good one for me I do like using that as rather than just looking at a load of stats and xg and blah 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 so and I thought Brighton were impressive at at Man United We, we flagged up last week that United probably wouldn't be an awful lot different at this early stage of the season under Ten Hag and they didn't really look too much different at all did they other than a different manage manager in the dugout but let's talk about Brighton for now and uh to say they were particularly impressive in that first half got a two goal lead again last week we talked about can they finish their chances they always look tactically sound they always look like they 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 easy on the eye they they played nice football can they finish their chances? Well, they, they did in the first half, certainly uh, at Old Trafford, two two goals um, from Pascal Gross. And looking at that, it seems like they're trying to put them, them technical players that they've got a little bit more advanced to give them the opportunity to finish some chances. And I think a fit Danny Welbeck does help them massively. Um, strong pace, power, runs the channels, creates spaces, gives, gives pro- problems to, to central defenders, gives them a headache. So can see, so Brighton taking advantage of that. Um, and I expect them to do much the same in, in this game here. It's, it's a tough game. It's, it's Newcastle. With Newcastle, it was a case of what we're going to get. Can they start How they finish last season? They were really impressive at the back end of last season. Realistically, ever since Eddie Howe took over, um, especially at home, as they were last week, of course. Um, and it was like we pressed pause at the final whistle last season and then press play as the first whistle this season. They never gave Forrest a sniff last week. And I think Forest were a potential banana skin for them. New side, a lot of momentum, a lot of talk about how they were going to go about business. They brought in some new players, some high-profile players, the managers well thought of. So, at had all the makings of being a, a, a tough one, but say they dominated from start to finish Newcastle last week. My, is, is a is a hell of a player. I love to watch him. Um, obviously, with Sam Maxim on out on that on, on the w- the wing, he's he's just edge of your seat kind of player. But Newcastle fans get right behind. And then Callum Wilson, I know Nigel mentioned him um, last week as a as an outsider for um, you know top scorer, a good big odds um, opportunity there. And I think he he showed last week that he could well be in the running if he can stay fit. So I thought that was a, a good all round performance. Um, Twenty-three shots, ten on target from them. So uh, lots to like about that. And so I think this game with these two sides, neither are going to be parking the bus. It should be a good one to watch. Really attractive, really open, and enough talent to pick holes in these defenses to uh, see both teams score. Yeah, uh, One-one here this season, two-one at St James's Park. So this landed in both, and uh, so we'll we'll have a repeat this season here.
1: Good stuff. Uh, Nigel, let's come over to you for the next pick. Um, my team must have done so well last week that you decided <laughs> to, uh, to tip them this week. Tell us about your thoughts on Arsenal-Leicester.
0: Well, just before I go into that one, just just interesting okay. about that brighton Manchester United game last week. I mean, we tipped under two and a half goals. And one of the reasons why I, I tip under two and a half goals is because I sometimes feel that the underdog, in this case, Brighton, will make it difficult for Manchester United. So essentially, that's one of the reasons why I play it. So if you see a team like Man United at home and they're playing a the Wolves, you might think that Wolves might make it difficult with particularly under two and a half goals. And that's you know, it didn't happen. Brighton scored those two goals and we were uphill in the second half struggling, Knowing the Man United a throwing at them to try to get the thing in. So the read was right, but the result was wrong in, in that match. OK, so let's move on to this game. Arsenal against Leicester. I was impressed by Arsenal, Harry. Very impressed with Arsenal. I thought they, um, they, the first half they were superb. I thought not only with the new players who gelled straight away. I mean, they played in the Premier League for four or five years now. They, they should they know the Premier League inside out. Chenchenko and uh, and Jesus. They, I think the tactical t- uh, um, uh, side of it from from Arteta was brilliant. I think you pushed the full-backs on stopped the Crystal Palace players, the, the, the wingers and the full which was just so crucial to them. He bossed the midfield. He put five in the midfield, which meant that uh, Eze couldn't get the ball. And everything that good come from Crystal Palace, comes from Eze. They closed him down straight away. And he got the tactics absolutely spot on. He, he allowed Arsenal to boss the game and play with freedom by overloading the midfield. In the second half, Palace got on top a little bit. Vieira changed it up. And Eze was given a bit more freedom and cause everything that was good that Palace did came from Eze. And I, think, I feel they feel they were a bit unlucky not to score with a great save from Ramsdale. But this game has got a similar kind of feel to it because Leicester, everything that's good from Esther comes from Madison. And I feel that they'll do exactly the same thing. They'll go straight onto him, stop him playing, same tactics. And with the high tempo and the first time of the season, I think if you can stop Madison playing and, you know, he's a sister, which is, is prolific, him getting the balls through to Vardy, I think you really, really take a lot out of this Leicester side. The other thing I like about Arsenal here is that they're very confident. I mean, they're a young team. They're now, for the first time in a long, long time, they know their starting starting 11 pretty much week, week in, week out. They're now the strongest team. That wasn't a thing about Arsenal anymore. They know their team 11. They may twitch in on um, um, Emil Smith Rowe, might come in and come tie, but uh, the majority of that 11 will be that, that 11 side. So that, that, that team won't change. And I think that's huge for for this Arsenal side. They know their place. They know their position. They know the system. And I think they're, they're moving in the right direction with two very very shrewd acquisitions from Manchester City. Also, so their morale must be absolutely sky high. Think of what the morale is at Leicester. They've lost Schmeichel. You know, he's a key factor on the pitch, off the pitch. He was he was a. He was a a spokesperson for the club. He was a club legend. You know, how he held himself in that tragic incident when the chem was uh, was gradually killed in a helicopter accident. Everything about Schmeichel was class. They've lost him. You can't pick up a paper without seeing four or five players move from, from Leicester. The wheels seem to be gradually coming off that club at the moment. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the manager thinking, what am I doing here soon if this goes wrong? And I can see him getting his eyes turned by any team at the bottom of the Premier League who might be struggling or any team in mid-table might be struggling. He doesn't want to be there too long and see this thing sink. And it's got a feeling of that, that at the moment that Leicester could go one way or the other. I picked Leicester last week to win the game against Brentford purely and simply because I didn't think Brentford would have a good season. And I thought Leicester would be too strong. I didn't think necessarily Leicester were great. But the morale after being turned up, bossing the game, creating chance after chance, but they didn't really create anything once they got the two lead. They didn't, their shots on target, their, their goal, XG, their, their their percentage of play was nothing. They invited a Brentford team onto them and they got, they got done in the end with two late goals and their morale must be on the floor after that. One game in, two nil up against Brentford side with, you know, a, a bang average Brentford side and the draw 2-2. Now they go to Arsenal full of optimism, full of everything I like Arsenal here and I like the bet Arsenal minus one um, on the Asian handicap. I feel that Arsenal win this game and instead of betting Arsenal to win the match, which is very, very low, it's around at minus two dollars, $2, something like that. You're much better off to get uh, Arsenal minus one because if they win, it's a push. And if they win by two goals or more, then we, we win. So I, I'm having extra security and, and the better price by taking arsenal minus 1 on the asian handicap with the match a push if the game uh, ends 1-0 so that was my bet and that is my breakdown of it and that you can get on that currently uh, minus 134 arsenal so minus 134 arsenal or minus 215 arsenal to win the game minus 134 arsenal minus 1
1: Good stuff. Uh, Jack, let's come back uh, to you for the next one. Uh, I see you've put Fulham's uh, game against Wolves down here. Fulham, of course, coming to this off the back of a impressive, if not slightly disappointing in the end result, just given the way it all worked out. Uh, but tell us a little bit about this one, mate. Yeah, um, say Fulham
2: should have won uh, against uh, Liverpool. As I say, what a hell of a result that would have been. Took the lead twice, um, got pegged back. Uh, you know, probably would have took a point for the game. But as you say, as it panned out so close to the end, would be a little bit disappointing. But we'll give them confidence. It's the first time they've been promoted into the Premier League and then not lost the first game. So small things there, that'll be, be a positive. But I was I was impressed with them. And I think for Mitrovic to score twice is a, is a big uh, thing for him. It's a little bit of a kind of monkey off his back as far as the fact that, you know, people were saying, is he a flat-track bully? Is he a, Is he a player that can score... 43 goals in the championship, but then can't quite cut it at the top level. He looks lean. He looks mean. He doesn't look like the kind of striker you as a central defender you want to be going up against. Um, The other player that really impressed me was Polina in the middle. Um, And what I liked about when Fulham got him, they got him from Sporting Lisbon, is the fact that I think the the temptation for a newly promoted side is to go and get a a striker or go and get a, a wide player. Uh, an attack-minded player, go and get uh, a number 10 maybe that's going to like knit net things together. But they went and got someone that's going to keep them in the game. He likes to get his foot in. He likes to get him a foothold in the game. And like I say, he l- likes to keep them like with that opportunity to be able to actually go and get points in games. And I thought he played well with Pereira as well, um, putting that together as far as Harrison Reed. So we've all got players there, lots of work rate, like a tackle, can keep Fulham in a game. And against his Wolves side, that probably won't take a lot of doing because we know full Wolves just don't score goals. Took them six minutes to actually score as they talking about contrast to like last seasons and what you'd expect last week. But then that's as good as it got for them really, to be honest, they had 70% of the ball in the second half against Leeds. eight shots, two of those on target. And that's where they fall down, um, end up losing a game. Where you should have when you have that amount of ball and you have that amount of attempts, you should be should be doing a lot better, obviously, and picking up at least a point. They're missing Jimenez. We talked about him prior um to last week. They didn't score enough goals last season. 38 goals in 38 games was only like the worst, other than the bottom three, who obviously all got relegated. So him and his top scorer was six, and he's missing. They just don't seem to have a, an able replacement for him. They don't have any of that kind of that cut edge. So I think Fulham will go here with um with with confidence, having that put in that performance last week, and with certain players having good games as well. And I think um Nigel touched on Schmeichel going from Leicester, and I think a big loss for for Wolves this week was Connor Cody leaving to go on loan to Everton. Not necessarily as much as far as he's a great defender. That's a that's a different conversation for people to have. For me, he's the leader in that team. He's been the captain there, I think, for four seasons. He's the vocal point on the pitch. He's an organiser. Let's say he's a leader on the pitch. Um, he's, he's their captain, but he's that vo- vocal person that you hear. Obviously, he was on the bench last week. They've changed to a, a four at the back as opposed to the five where he was a key part of that. But he would have been in the change room. it would have been around the training pitch and you'd still hear him. And he's that link between the management and the and the players. And I think they will just miss that around the club and certainly on the pitch. And you can imagine Wolves players are going to be looking around thinking, where is he? He's kind of been the, been the glue that's held them together over the last few seasons and been part of that defence, which has been very tight. Kilman and Collins coming in now as the a, as a two central defenders. Good enough players, I think. But I say they haven't got that kind of leadership that they. I think they're going to miss. And Mitrovic up against these two lads. I think we'll have a, we'll, we'll make them certainly know they're in a game. So I'm taking Fulham on the plus handicap here. It's only a small handicap, but plus 0.25 again on the Asian handicap, which does mean if it ends in a draw, we will get a return of our stake. We'll get a push, but um, on half the bet and we'll get a, a half a win as well. Um, obviously, if Fulham win outright, we get a full return at minus 117. So I like what I've seen from Fulham and I don't know like what I've seen from Wolves. And that's the eye test again. And I don't think the Molyneux faithful have got that much patience, given how the season ended for them, to like, um, kind of give them a little bit of time to settle into this game and the season. So an early goal for Fulham or even a stalemate, I think we should see um, say the Molyneux faithful getting a little bit unrestless, which will be to um, our benefit back in Fulham.
1: Anything to add on this, Nigel? I can see your mind just ticking away there. <laughs> No, I'm just uh, thinking what we well, have for dinner tonight. To be no, I wasn't really. I was, uh, I was, I was. I was actually, I was actually agreeing with
0: Jack. I mean, Molyneux is um, one of the fans, one of the great clubs and a great atmosphere. Football grounds in England when things are going well, and it's an absolute toxic place when things are going bad. Hmm. And uh, yeah. I, I feel that this uh, this manager is really under pressure, really, really under pressure, and. Um, um, we'll see. I mean, I I was so close to betting Fulham last week. I actually put it in the WhatsApp group as one of my bets, plus one and a half. And then I sort of thought, well, they're playing, they're playing Liverpool, and it's going to be a, a, a Liverpool could be easy. There was a danger that Liverpool could roll over them, but they didn't. They were they were superb. And I agree with Mitrovic. The Mitrovic getting two goals and being angry is a great mm-hmm. thing for Fulham. And I said in the in the pre season show, I I thought Fulham would be near a top half than running a
1: relegation battle this year. And I know there's a long way to go, but it's a point at home to Liverpool is a perfect start for them. Indeed, uh, Nigel. Let's stick with you uh, for the next one, mate. Manchester City versus Bournemouth is on your list. What have you got for us?
0: Well, listen. I, I mean, I'm surprised the bet rivers haven't started haven't paid out on the Premier League title yet on on, on <laughs> Man City winning it because what we saw last week, man, they, they're on a different level. They're absolutely on a different level. Even like, even, even on Liverpool, no, no, I know. Clock can beat them on. Certain days and Liverpool do have a great record against Man City, but this Man City time is frightening. I mean, they are just absolutely superb. And Harland, I mean, what a striker. They do, they do, they do. <laughs> <laughs> but what what can we say about this lad? I mean, the confidence, i mean, I know he was brilliant in the two goals, but the confidence after an the interview he gave, where he swore twice. Yeah. just to me, that to me was just like, man, I love this boy. He's he's twenty one years of age and he doesn't mm. give her what he said. Uh, yeah, he's, he's just he's just he's just a beast, isn't he? And he's he's arrogance and his confidence is just you know his borders on the two, but and he's going to get better. And it's it's a frightening prospect. I mean, he just looks like he, he feels like he's going to score two or three goals every time he goes to the pitch, and and he mm. does. And it's every other Premier League team should uh, should be just petrified of of what Man City are building here. I actually did some quite heavy research on this game because my bet here is Man City minus two and a half on the Asian handicap and a lot of people say oh you can't bet teams minus two and a half you know it's a lot to give away they got to win by three goals for you to win and you're taking minus money well listen to, listen to this right this is Manchester City's last five-year record against teams in the bottom half of the Premier League they played 50 games they've won 44 they've drawn four and they've lost two the two matches they've lost, they've both been against the same team. Crystal Palace have beaten them twice. Other than Crystal Palace, they've beaten, they haven't beaten. They have lost against any other side. At home, in those 50 games against teams in the bottom half of the Premier League, they scored 165 goals. So they averaged 3.3 goals on their own against teams in the bottom half. They've covered the two and a half handicap on 25 occasions out of 50. So it's an even money shot. But when you consider there's teams like Southampton, West Ham in that analysis, Teams at the bottom of the Premier League, you would expect them to do so even more. They've won to nil in twenty-eight of fifty, so fifty-six percent. And against promoted teams, they they batter them. I mean, last season, the three teams that come up from the championship, they beat five 0 five one, and two nil. In and and that was with without Haaland. You throw this boy into the mix, that goal will go up. You know, he's his home debut, you want to score, you want to break records. And I know Bournemouth did really, really well last week against Aston Villa, but he did that by going out and attacking them and at home going taking the game to Aston Villa if he decides to take the game to Manchester City in this game well it could be double figures it really could he's got to defend he's got to and it, it, once they get one their possession will just break them down and and i can see them running out three four five goals winners here they very rarely concede the stats don't lie and, you know, if you look at the totals in this game, the total goals in this game, the total goals in this game are 3. 4, over 3.5 at minus 104. Well, City average almost out on their own. They get 3.3 per game against bottom half teams over, over over a sample of 50 matches over five seasons in the Premier League. I, I think that 3.5 is, is tempting as well because it's very rare, even though they're always favourites, they're never usually as strong as minus 1,500, 1,500 to, to win a game. And that's what they are here. So I'm going to go for um, Man City, minus two and a half on the Asian handicap at uh, minus
1: 132. Brilliant. Um, Jack, let's come back to you, mate, for your next one. And it involves uh, Manchester United, Eric Ten Hagside getting off to the worst possible start, as you alluded to when talking about Brighton a little bit earlier on. Talk to us about it. Brentford.
2: Well, I'm glad you didn't ask us how Man City started last season. Between us two, it <laughs> wasn't a good conversation for us to have, was it? To be honest with you, but um, we'll move on from that. Well, look, that so was, Yeah,
0: was... lost five nil against Norwich, wasn't it? That game, but um, well, the first two have... games were
2: five 0 five nil against um, yeah Norwich and uh, Arsenal. So anyway, moving on. Yeah, I'd yeah. say we'd move on from <laughs> that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, I'm taking goal. This one Brentford versus Man United, um over two and a half goals at minus one two nine. I had a quick look at these these odds, and I saw that both teams to score is minus one five seven. So if one five seven cops that's um both teams to score, the only way that over two and a half goals isn't going to land is if this ends one one. And I can't see this being a one one. So I think we're getting some nice nice odds on our side going with the over two and a half here. Um Mitchell touched obviously on Brentford last. You'd fear for them, say, for long periods. It looked like it was going to be second-season syndrome, like the start of that process, and the doubts were possibly there. But like I said, that they actually then showed the same kind of characteristics that did them so well last season. Resilient, tenacious. They keep going to the end, and they, they like to have a go. Um, and they absolutely love to have goes in games like this. Against the top six last season, they caused them all problems. Um, Man City went there and got a... a, a, a a single goal victory. Um, Liverpool ended up with a three-three draw. Um, Chelsea they got a single goal victory as well, but for large parts of that game, um, Tottenham drew there as well. Um, we know Arsenal went there on the first day of the season and and lost. And there's echoes of of that game here. The first home game for Brentford this season against the Man United side that they all feel they can get at. Um, and Man United themselves went there. And they, they actually won 3-1 here last season, but they they threw up 18 shots. The others there, Liverpool conceded 12 shots against Brentford, um, Tottenham conceded 15, uh, Chelsea conceded 17, and like I say, United conceded 18. So Brentford go about these teams and don't just go and park the bus. They don't just go and say, we're going to try and nick one on the break or you know see if we can keep it tight. They go toe-to-toe with them. They'll have a go. And like I say, they had 18 shots in this one, and, and lost 3-1. It wasn't for David De Gea, who pulled off a load of good saves in that game. I remember watching it. Um, I think they had like eight shots on target in the end and only managed one goal because he pulled off some great saves. So I think, you know, first home game of the season, Brentford was all about that last season, getting them that crowd behind them. Every time they got a good result at home, they did a lap of honour. They were getting everyone up and going. And it'll be the same this season, I think. You know, and this is a perfect game for them. It's an evening game in the UK. Um, on Saturday, like sort of late late afternoon evening, and uh, you, the will be buzzing. They'll be absolutely bouncing there, and they want it at this United side that so just showed the same frailties last week at Brighton or at home to Brighton, and um, so it just looks like they're there to be got at. You know what Brentford are going to do? They'll play with pace. They'll play with power. They'll throw balls into the box, throw-ins, corners, free kicks, and you just say. Do Man United look like they'll be able to kind of stand up and be countered into that, or are they going to like sort of, sort of try and get away with it? On on the side of the bet, we don't really care who wins. Of course, we we just want the goals in it. So um, looking at United, they will have plenty going forward. Obviously, you've got the story about Christian Eriksen coming back nice and early to Brentford. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of reaction that, that he gets there as well. But we know Ronaldo is always the big story. He was on the bench last week, came off. I'd expect him to start this time round. Um, And we all know that when he's got a point to prove, when he wants to score goals to show that he is the main man, he generally does it. And I could see him obviously getting on the score sheet at least once here against his Brentford side that do look vulnerable. As you said, Leicester had plenty of shots against him, scored two goals, got two goals in front and then took the foot off the gas. Man United aren't the sort of side that can do that, but also they are the side that can cause lots of havoc on the counter attack. The likes of Sancho, obviously Ronaldo up there finishing stuff off as well. Rashford, if he's playing, they've got Bruno Fernandes. They've got a whole host of talent going forward to to score goals against this, this Brentford side. There were seven goals in these two games last season, home and away. Uh, Man United actually got six of them, um, but over two and a half would have landed in both those games. The key thing is, Brentford had more shots than Man United in both those games. James home and away. So it shows you how they'll go about it. And let's not forget, if this Man United side is, as we think, very similar to the one from last season, only four sides conceded more goals on their travels in the Premier League than Man United last season. And they're not an illustrious list. They are Leeds, Leicester, Southampton and Norwich. And you know, as a, as a United side, you don't want to be part of that kind of mix. But that's where they are at the moment in time. And I can see this being an entertaining game. And plenty of goals in it, as both were last season. So minus one two nine over two and a half goals is the pick here.
1: It's going to be a good game, an interesting one, really, really interesting one, as you say, um, Nigel. Let's come back to you, mate, for um, your final pick, which involves Spurs and Chelsea, arguably the standout game on the Premier League card this weekend, at least on paper. Anyway, what what's your take on this one?
0: I think it is the standout game, um, and I think. We may see a change in the guard in London um, for the first time since 2018. I think Tottenham gets something from this game. I really do. I, I um, Chelsea, I've been dominant in this fixture. You know, it's, it's been a fixture that uh, the Chelsea fans mock the Tottenham fans for years and years and years. They just, you know, they turn up and, and they get three points. Uh, they played four times last season, and obviously Chelsea won every single match. Tottenham didn't score. Tottenham haven't scored, I think, in the last six. Um, a lot of very close games. Eight of the last ten between these two sides under two and a half. I was very close to going under two and a half as well. I think under two and a half goals here at uh, minus one ten. But you know the the two things that really made me stand up and take notice of the of the Tottenham result last week. The first thing is they went behind early. Tottenham sides never usually come back when they go behind. I mean, they don't really show that spirit. Conte was on the bench going ballistic and chasing every tackle like he does, but he, he, you could see the change in the players' mentality. Uh, Tottenham usually down tools when they go one they're up. Like, they have come back and won 4 one The other thing which is absolutely crucial for Tottenham's long-term prospects and also for the fact for for, for Tottenham, how they are as a football club, they score four goals and none of them were scored by Harry Kane or Son. That is really interesting to me because you can't, I can't. You you, you have to go back a long, long time where Tottenham scored it three or four, and Son or Kane hasn't been involved in the goal scoring. So that suggests that they're a confidence team, and they're a team that, you know, players are encouraging now to to have have more shots or be more aggressive from the manager. And I, I feel that Tottenham are going to challenge. Like, they're my pick for the, to the top London team them are picked to do well. The only side I feel that can break that top two, I feel I believe, is Tottenham. And it's purely and simply because of the manager. He goes back to his former club here. The first time he's probably gone back where he feels that he can compete with them. He's come back there with teams that he just thought, I can't compete with, I've got no chance. Now he knows he's on a level playing field. And I feel that Chelsea, despite their performance against Everton where they dominated, I, I thought it was a very, very poor match. I, I thought Chelsea were in complete control from the first minute. It was like a testimonial rather than the first day of the season. And I feel that um, Chelsea didn't really offer much at all because they didn't have to offer much. They're going to have to offer a lot here against this Tottenham side. Uh, and I feel we're going to have a change. I wouldn't be surprised to see the game in a draw. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. A low-scoring draw, 1-1. One, one, Nil nil, something like that. I do like the under two and a half because it's the early part of the season. No side will want to lose. Both managers may look at this at the seventy-minute mark and think if it's one-one or nil-nil. You know, we've got some other games to come with. Well, we we'll, we we'll both accept the point in this situation, and I, and I feel that, that that under two and a half goals could come in. But I just think the only reason Tottenham are the odds they are, which is plus two twenty-five to win and or plus a quarter in the Asian handicap at minus 112 is because of that historic record. They have it. I don't see any other reason why Tottenham should be bigger than two to one to win this game on what we've seen. Chelsea win Chelsea. Quite, there's huge question marks about Chelsea. They virtual whole of their defense has gone. They rely very heavily on a center half partnership. that have got a combined age of about 76. Um, in, in, I'm, I'm serious, they played a lot of football. I mean, they, they're old, you know, and they're, they're, it's all right away at Everton when Everton don't offer much, but at home to Tottenham, a very young, a very, very confident Tottenham side. This is a big, big test for them. So there's huge question marks about Chelsea. Timo Werner has gone now. Um, they haven't got the system that they're 100% used to. I, I don't think he knows that this starting 11. I don't think he knows. I, I still, you know, they're playing a the system. They haven't got an out-and-out striker. Havertz didn't really, you know, he's player that's going to play in that position, but I think you need more than him. And I just think player for player and across the pitch at the moment, I think Tottenham are better. And I feel you're getting decent value here. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to swim against the tide of public money. And I feel public money will come here for Chelsea. And I think Tottenham are a very, very attractive proposition plus, plus, a, plus a quarter of a goal. And uh, on the on the flip side of that, I do like the under two and a half goals, but I'm not having that as an official play. The official play here is Tottenham plus a quarter but my lean as well would be for a low-scoring draw.
1: Interesting, interesting. I, 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 think Tottenham have got a great chance on the pitch for sure. It's just the, the fact that they're away from home slightly puts me off. But the value is there, certainly, um, for sure. Well, their away um, record isn't
0: that bad. They went to Manchester City in one last season. The, they, they met, mm-hmm. went toe to toe with Liverpool. I think they should have beaten Liverpool. They didn't. In the end, they got a draw, didn't they? I mean, top, this this Conti. I think Conti's worth three wins extra. For for uh, for Tottenham this season, um, so that and and I feel that Man City and Liverpool, well Liverpool will, will, will go backwards. Man City, you know, will, will, as we said we joked about, but I think the World Cup's going to make crucial parts in that. But uh, this could be a this is a huge huge game for Tottenham. They need this is a statement match for them. I think Chelsea will just go there and if they if they to try to win it one 0 or one one. But I think it's much much more important to Tottenham to see exactly where they are as a football club. And I think Conti will be absolutely fired up for this one. And I think he'll get his players fired up. And I think we'll see a performance. So Tottenham plus a quarter to end that was it four year wait for a win in the Premier League against Chelsea.
1: Let's see. Let's see. Big game that coming up. Of course, You can't have a, a go to at me. You
0: can't have a go at me if you're going with Tottenham because I went for Arsenal as well. So I'm very. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm see, starting I, to I, think after... you
1: did that on purpose.
0: Well, no. <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I, if Arsenal get beaten, Tottenham win. I'll tell you next week I've done it on purpose. <laughs>
1: great stuff <laughs> guys uh, thank you uh, so so much thank you to everybody for tuning in don't forget if you are watching on the bet rivers network youtube channel be sure to leave a like on the video leave your comments below and make sure you are subscribed that way you'll never miss an upload if you're listening on audio format please do leave us a review as well be sure to follow the twitter handle at because we win it's a, a joint account basically for all of the handicappers that we have across the network, you'll get uh, in-game picks as well on there. So there's lots and lots of content over there. Make sure you're following it as well. And we'll be back next week with some more Premier just, League Just
0: picks. before we go, Sorry. Harry, that because we win, you know, we you, you was on there last week going against my team, giving me some stick. And they lost, you, you got that <laughs> yes, wrong,
1: losing 3-2. Listen, I, I'm not a handicapper. All right. I know I'm no I, I just that. wanted to get you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll catch you all soon. Until next time, take care. Goodbye. See ya.
0: Thanks for listening to Betting Weekly English Premier League on the Bet Rivers Network.